0: Opinions expressed on ACV Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Demand Our Access. My name is Jonathan Simeone. Um, today's topic, um, we actually have two. First, we are gonna do a brief look at Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. Second, we were going to do a demo of how to comment on the proposed ADA Title II Web Accessibility Rule. Uh, I have postponed that until the next episode for two reasons, Uh, one being that an article came out in uh, a washington post property about traveling with service animals and since we've covered traveling with service animals extensively on the podcast previously i thought we should cover it uh, here today and it's timely the second reason is that i heard from some folks who may be interested in commenting but given the fact that this is labor day weekend they weren't sure they were going to be able to participate in this week's show. So uh, as I have said from the beginning of the podcast, I do uh, welcome and respond to feedback from folks. And so in this case, it just seemed uh, logical to hold off on that until we had uh, maybe a weekend with more attendance, um, or at least from what I heard from a couple of folks um so we will be back with the demo of the commenting on uh, September 16th uh, so two weeks from today at that point the comment period will still have about two and a half weeks left because it ends on October 3rd Um, so if you're interested in commenting the delay here and getting to that um, should not be an issue for you with that being said uh, I'm going to begin with a look at um, Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. Um, due to some technical difficulties on my end, this is going to be different than we normally do it here. Uh, I'm going to wind up reading what I have written instead of playing a prepared recording. So this will be a first <laughs> for the podcast. Um, at the end of, of that, I will um, be open to questions and comments um, about section 508 and depending on how that goes um, i would like to discuss the article on service animals so with that being said let's begin our look at section 508 but first why should we care about section 508 for those who don't know section 508 is applies to the federal government So it's what mandates that federal government uh, communications and hardware and software be accessible to people with disabilities. Um, Unfortunately, we all know, like many of these laws, it hasn't been followed or enforced the way it should. And so compliance is really not there um, in my view at all to the way we would expect Um, it would be especially since the first section 508 guidelines came out in about, I believe 2000, around 2000. The guidelines were updated in 2018. And so um, some of what we're going to talk to here matters. I should also point out that if you are an employee or or a prospective employee of the federal government, section 508 also um, should, Uh, protect you and provide an accessible application process um, and or, uh, you know, the ability for you to do your job. So let's begin with some things you should keep in mind uh, about Section 508. Section 508 applies to all information and community technology, ICT procured, maintained, developed, or used by federal agencies covered by Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 and Section 255 of the Telecommunications Act of 1934 as implemented by the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, When Section 508 is updated, the law mandates that updated or revised standards be incorporated in procurement processes within six months of adoption. Section 508 applies to covered hardware, software, electronic content, and support documentation. Under Section 508, all covered web and non-web content and software, including websites, intranets, Word documents, PDFs, and project management software is largely required to conform to WCAG, 2.0 levels a and double a section 508 covers all external content and that's what i was talking about earlier all of the content that is public facing is supposed to comply with section 508 meaning now uh, it is supposed to comply up to level double a of version 2.0 of Um, the WCAG. Now, there are some exceptions, and we'll get to those in a minute. So it applies to all external content and the following nine categories of internal, internal content. And this is what matters for public employees. Emergency notifications. Decisions uh, related to administrative claims Or procedures, an internal or external program or policy announcement, a notice of benefits, program eligibility, employment opportunity, or um, personnel action, a formal acknowledgement of receipt, survey questionnaires, a template or form, educational or training materials, or intranet content designed as a web page. Now, what does that mean? It means in a lot of um, workplaces today, uh, you put in your time requests and you look up your leave balances. Maybe you enroll in your benefits online. If those are intranets, that is, internal web pages only uh, they are still covered agencies had one year from adoption of the revised standards to comply a safe harbor provision means that ict that complied with the previous version of section 508 complies with the existing version of Section 508 unless the ICT is altered. And this could be a problem for folks, because as I said, the previous version uh, goes back to 2000 and doesn't even reference WCAG. So there are probably instances in the federal government where something is deemed compliant but it has no relationship to today's technology or accessibility standards. Alterations are considered on an element by element basis to determine whether an alteration triggers a need to comply with the revised section 508 standards. Where ICT Uh, conforming to one or more of the Section 508 standards is not commercially available. The agency should procure the ICT that best meets the revised 508 standards consistent with the agency's business needs. The responsible agency official shall document in writing, A, the non-availability of conforming ICT, including a description of market research performed and which provisions cannot be met, and B, the basis for determining that the ICT to be procured Uh, best meets the requirements in the revised 508 standards consistent with the agency's business needs. Where ICT that fully conforms to the revised standards is not commercially available, the agency shall provide individuals with disabilities access to and use of information and data by an alternative means that meets identified needs non-web documents do not have to comply with the following four wcag success criteria bypass block multiple ways consistent navigation and consistent identification. Exceptions under Section 508. Section 502 of Section 508 lists the five general exceptions to Section 508. Legacy ICT. So legacy ICT is that stuff that Um, has been deemed to comply with the previous version and has not been altered. National security systems. So again, if something is related to national security, it may not have to be compliant with section 508. Federal contracts. Now I wanna be clear so people understand that. Here we aren't talking about the federal contract itself or the process of getting a federal contract. We are talking about the processes behind the application and rewarding of federal contracts used only by employees of uh, the federal government or people interested in contracting with the federal government. The process for obtaining a federal contract is covered here. ICT functions located in maintenance or monitoring spaces. And the section 508 website has information about the five general exceptions, plus the best meets uh, business needs issue, which we discussed previously, and the typical defenses of undue burden and fundamental alteration that apply as they do under Title II. So, for example, if an agency can demonstrate that complying with Section 508 would fundamentally alter the essential nature of their program, they uh, may not have to make that particular bit of ICT compliant with the current version of Section 508. So this was intended to be a very brief uh, introduction to Section 508. I want to stop here uh, and see if we have any questions. I also want to thank you for your indulgence. As, uh, as I said earlier, technical difficulties <laughs> caused me to not be able to record or edit this ahead of time. So I want to pause for a minute and give folks a chance to ask any questions or comment um, about section 508. So do we have anything in uh, Zoom or Clubhouse? I'm sorry, Jonathan. I didn't hear the last thing you said. Just give me one second to check. Brad, do we have anybody in Clubhouse? No, I'm not seeing anybody right now. Okay. I don't believe we do in Zoom either, but let me just, just give me one second. Okay. No, you do not have any raised hands. Thank you. Okay um I will begin um discussing the article about service animals um and traveling with a service animal um and if someone happens to show up uh with a question about section 508 uh or a comment I'm I'm happy to receive okay. those Okay uh, perfect later as well Um, So, for uh, a bit of background uh, and in the interest of complete transparency, um, I was contacted by Amanda Morris, um, who is the Washington Post disability writer, and asked to provide feedback uh, and comments uh, on a story about traveling with a service animal. They found me, uh, the newspaper did, through the demand our access website and through the things I have posted about traveling with a service animal and things we have talked about here. Um, So I agreed to be interviewed because I think it's it's an incredibly important topic and it's something that um, has become increasingly challenging and sometimes impossible. Uh, And in my view, as I've said before, the rule in many ways has actually made travel worse uh, for folks with service animals. So I um, did about a 30 minute phone interview uh, with Amanda Morris. um, And and during that interview, I talked about a bunch of the things I talk about here in terms of um, the different seating methods um, and how, uh, they couldn't exist the way they do and how the rules allow the airlines to not help people get directly to transportation. Uh, I'm not going to recap all of that here, um, because we've already covered it. If you've read the article, um, which I'm not sure made it into the actual newspaper, I actually found it through ACB dots and dashes, um, an email. Um list thing that ACB sends out with interesting information, uh, which uh, nobody asked me to say this, but I would recommend it. I think it's a very interesting and useful resource that ACB provides. Uh, and I was given a link to it from ACB dots and dashes um, to uh something on looked like it was from a well being blog or some kind of well being page. Um, But anyway, it is online. Uh, The version that I read through that link, um, in my view, was disappointing, not because it didn't contain any of the information I gave, although it didn't, uh, and demand our access wasn't mentioned, which I was hoping it would be, um, because I hope other folks could find out about the resource. Um, But that being said, what was disappointing to me about it was how limited it was um, in the sense that it only really got into the accessibility of the DOT form, which in my mind is a really minor problem compared to all of the other problems that people have. I can tell you that I personally um, was able to complete the DOT form. I did it even though I don't have a service animal. I didn't submit it, but I did complete it because I wanted to see how it would work. It's not greatest accessibility. Um, So I'd be curious to know which contractor the Department of Transportation used. Um, But that's another question for another day. Um, But the point is, I know other people with service animals um, you know, Desiree, for example, uh, was able to complete the form uh, independently as well. So the idea that it focused so much on the accessibility of the form was uh, really surprising to me, given uh, that I would consider that a very low level problem compared to people not getting the right seats, um, people not getting the right assistance, uh, people having to call um, different airlines to find out a process every time they use a different airline, um, the myriad real inconveniences and inequitable things that people have to go through, um, and it it really was to me very disappointing. I think it was a ver- a missed opportunity. Um, I think they were looking to just put something out there, but not really make any waves, not really hold DOT accountable in any way, um, not really talk about the what I view as a bad process and insufficient resourcing of complaint investigations. But interestingly, one of the things in the article that I did not know is that complaints... Uh, have been really elevating over the last few years. And so I think in the last, in 2022, there were something like 451 complaints filed with DOT by um, folks with service animals. Um, That's amazing to me um, that the numbers have gone up by so much since the rule was adopted. And uh, I don't know. So this is a speculation on my part, and I want to be very open about that. But I doubt most of those complaints have to do with the accessibility of the form. Um, I think they are much more about the problems that people with disabilities encounter actually trying to travel with a service animal So I think, you know, there just wasn't enough effort put into this, there wasn't a willingness to really put together the kind of piece that should have been put together. Um, And, you know, honestly, it's the media, the government, the corporations, you know, they work together. I mean, that's my view, but I think there's a lot of stuff to substantiate that. And so While I was hopeful that um, some of the real, weighty, important issues would be discussed, uh, I'm not incredibly surprised uh, that they weren't. Um, I want to stop here and see if anybody um, has any questions about or comments about the guide dog story, the service animal story, excuse me, Um, and if anybody has any comments about Section 508 you don't have any hands on zoom at the moment jonathan how about you on your side brad i've got nobody no hands on clubhouse right now so i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna wait a few minutes and this is honestly one of the reasons why um, i held off on the demo of the commenting because it's labor day weekend and Uh, I just don't know that we're going to get the same. Some of these podcasts, as you know, we've had very lively discussion and very interesting debate. Uh, And uh, I think the folks who said that we might not have that this time are probably correct there. So um, I'm just going to hold it open for another couple of minutes. Um, I will say that I'm going to publish um, a post to demand our access where I link to the article and I say some of the things I've said here about it in writing. Um, So that should be up soon. I will also record the Section 508 piece that I read here um, as a typical podcast format, and I will me posting that to demand our access and it will roll out through the podcast feeds um, as uh, as they normally do so if you're subscribed there you'll have all that information or you can just check back with the website Um, our next uh, episode will be two weeks from today um, september 16th at 2 p.m eastern Um, if you have any topic ideas or any questions about project, the website, uh, the podcast, please reach me at Jonathan at demandouraccess.com. Uh, or you can fill out the contact form in the main menu on the Demand Hour Access website. Um, uh, have we had anybody raise their hand or in Zoom or Clubhouse since then? No, not on Zoom. Okay, then with that, um, I guess I'm not gonna take up people's holiday weekend. I thank those of you who did come, both in Zoom and Clubhouse. I wanna thank Andrea and Brad uh, for hosting and streaming for me today. I appreciate your support. I wanna thank ACB community for helping me have this platform and reaching people with what I hope is important and useful information and I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their long weekend, and we'll be back on the 16th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Thank you.